the series is about uh, addressing the identity crisis. And today, we're going to dive in very deep. Are you ready to go deep? No, it's, yeah, I'm talking to you. Are you ready to go deep? So I want to start by reading a passage in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 16. This is Matthew 16. And we're going to start reading at the 13th verse. It reads, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Okay, so, so who do the people say that I am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, bar Jonah, that son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. In other words, uh, Simon, Peter, God gave you the revelation of who I am. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you because flesh and blood is misinformed. They think I'm a reincarnated prophet like Jeremiah or Elijah. Some think I'm John the Baptist that has come back. They're wrong. They are wrong. You have received from God a revelation of who I am. And then Jesus goes on to say this, and I say to you that you are Peter. You are Peter. You just told me who I am. Now I'm going to tell you who you are. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And all the saints that love Jesus said, amen and amen. This particular sermon is based on the existential questions that we all ask ourselves at various junctions and at various seasons of life. Perhaps the most ubiquitous um, existential question that we ask ourselves is, who am I? Who am I? And attached to that, where did I come from and where am I going and why am I here? Who am I? These are existential questions. These are questions that a lot of philosophy um, has devoted itself to trying to answer. But I think what we can see from, from this particular reading is that if you ask people who you are, they are probably going to get it wrong. Uh, they are going to name you and frame you based on their experience, their limited understanding, their misinformation, often their miseducation. Based upon uh, their consciousness, they will name you. And as they name you, they frame you and create context for you and uh, limitations for you. Uh, based on their own misunderstanding. So you cannot get the answer, who am I, from 
others. You can get the truth from God. And so today I'm asking the question, who am I really? Who are you really? I want you to look at your neighbor uh, if you're with your family right now in the church in the house and say, who are you really? Who are you really? It's an important question because the answer to that question is going to determine many of the outcomes in your life. It certainly is going to determine your direction in life. It's going to, it's going to determine the standards that you set for yourself, uh, the values that you embrace and live by, the goals that you set for your life, your, your long-term goals certainly are going to come out of your sense of who you are. Your overall direction, behavior, everything is going to be regulated by your answer to the question, who am I really? And of course, if the devil can successfully rob you of your authentic identity, then he will get you to, to live out a person or a personality that you are fundamentally not. And can we just be honest about this? Some of us have, have lived a life that doesn't fit us, okay? It doesn't fit us. It does not fulfill us. It doesn't satisfy us. It doesn't suit us. It doesn't express us. It's just not you, but you're living it. Maybe because parents wanted you to live that life. Maybe because society told you it's the only kind of life you can live. Maybe it's because a religious person uh, convinced you that this is who you're meant to be. And it just doesn't fit you. It's like wearing a garment that simply does not fit. You're never quite comfortable. Um, and this typically happens when we lose uh, sight or fail to see who we really are. The moment you get the revelation of your own who-ness, wow, life begins to change because the life that you embark upon fits you, suits you, fulfills you, expresses you. It's a beautiful life. So I want to talk about your who-ness, who you really are, and I want you to do like me because, you know, I decided that, that if anyone knows who I really am, it's the one who made me. So I'm going to listen to God. I want God to tell me who I am. I don't want society to tell me who I am. I don't even want my best friends to tell me who I am. I don't even, I don't want, I certainly don't want my enemies to tell me who I am. I want God to tell me who I am because if God tells me who I am, I can believe it. I can stand on it and I can organize my life accordingly. So, so we're going to go to the Bible. We're going to go to God to find out who we really are. And in order to find out who you are, um, you have to start by realizing that there is a difference between your creation and your formation. Make a note of that. There's a difference between my creation and my formation. You, you have to differentiate. You have to distinguish. You have to realize that these are different events separated by time. 
In Genesis 1, God created man in his image, after his likeness, and God gave him dominion. In Genesis 2, God formed man from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, for some scholars, there's a discrepancy. Uh, for some scholars, there's two separate and different accounts of creation. But for those who believe in the inspiration of the scriptures, we know that there are not two different accounts of the creation. That actually, God created man as a spiritual being in Genesis 1. He then formed man from the dust of the ground, which refers to the formation of his physical uh, essence, his physical being, his body was formed in Genesis chapter 2. And when God breathed into the formation, the ceramic that was on the floor, when God breathed into him, God breathed into the ceramic, the model, God breathed into the form, the spiritual essence that he created in Genesis 1. So that in Genesis 2, the Adam that God created was fully united with the Adam that God formed and man became a living soul. But the Adam God created was first, foremost, and fundamentally a spiritual being, a spiritual essence who was then breathed into or united with a physical form. That is the difference between your creation and your formation. What this means is that your birth, your conception and birth is not the moment in time that you were created. Biologically, yes, you were created at conception and birth. But spiritually, you pre-existed your formation. You pre-existed your presence on planet earth. Because you were created as a spiritual being before your formation in the physical world. Now let me give you some scripture for this. Jeremiah chapter 1. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet to the nations. What does that mean? Before I formed you. In the belly, before conception and formation in the womb, I knew you. So you predate your conception, Jeremiah, and you predate your birth. And he says, in this pre-existence, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet to the nations. In other words, your birth was not an accident or a coincidence no matter what your parents have to say about it. Jeremiah, your birth was a deliberate, intentional, and strategic act of God releasing you into the world on an assignment. Woo! I, I, I need to pause and say to someone today that your presence on planet Earth at this time, in this generation, and in this location, wherever you are located, is not an accident, it is not a coincidence, it is not an incident, 
It is a deliberate, intentional, purposeful, meaningful, and strategic act of God releasing the spiritual essence that he made in the beginning, releasing you into time on purpose for an assignment, a mission, because there is something that he made you to do. There is something he made you to do. Notice it in Jeremiah 1. I, before, before you were formed in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified and ordained you, a prophet to the nations. You were born a prophet. When you were born, the prophetic mantle was upon you. The prophetic assignment was upon you. You came into the world uh, on an assignment that is prophetic in nature. And why is it that God needed to tell Jeremiah that? God needed to tell Jeremiah that because Jeremiah was paralyzed with excuses. You know, when God called him to be a prophet, he said, he said, I can't do this. I can't speak. I'm a child. What's he say? His excuse was, number one, I'm too young. Number two, I'm not a good speaker. And these were his excuses. But Jeremiah eventually moved from excuses to exploits. I'm going to say it again. He eventually moved from excuses to exploits. And he moved from excuses to exploits when God, when God revealed to him the fact that Jeremiah, I didn't just think about this yesterday. You know, I, I, you know I'm not just making, the, making the, the best of a bad situation. Um, you know, I haven't just picked you because no one else is available. Jeremiah... Before you were formed in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I had already set you apart. I had already ordained you. You were already ordained. You are, you are purpose made for this moment in history. Woo, that's exciting. See, in order to find out who you are, you have to go to God in order to discover how it is God sees you. How it is that God sees you. See, I want you to notice, you know, in, in our opening reading that Jesus went on to give Peter the keys of the kingdom, which is the authority of the kingdom of God. He gave him the authority of the kingdom of God so that whatever he bound on earth would be bound in heaven. Whatever he loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven. But in order to have the authority of the kingdom of God, there were two things he needed to understand. Two things he needed to understand. He needed to understand how he saw Jesus... And he needed to understand how Jesus saw him. He needed to know how he, how he saw Jesus. He didn't just see Jesus as another prophet. He saw Jesus as the son of the living God, as the Messiah, as the hope of Israel, as the one that had been prophesied throughout all of the Old Testament writings. He saw Jesus that way. But at that moment that he said, Jesus you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What did Jesus immediately do? Jesus said, now you know who I am. I'm going to tell you who you are. You are Peter. What? He'd never been called Peter before. His name was Simon, Simeon. And Jesus changed his name. Jesus gave him a glimpse of how God sees him. Because it's not enough for you to have a revelation of Jesus. Once you get a revelation of Jesus, he's going to give you a revelation of you. Because only when you can see you, 
From God's perspective, can you have the authority of the kingdom to bind on earth, knowing it will be bound in heaven, to loose on earth, knowing it will be loosed in heaven? Your authority is coming from, from two, two understandings, your revelation of Christ and your revelation of you. Now, far too many believers have a revelation of Christ but don't have a revelation of themselves, so they are not operating in kingdom authority. They are not utilizing the keys of the kingdom. They are not bold. They are not courageous. They are not pressing on and pressing through. They're thin-skinned, spineless, yellow to some degree, can't take pressure, can't handle a lockdown. Why? Because you have a revelation of Christ, but you don't yet have a revelation of you. And you're pretty much like Gideon in the book of Judges, who is hiding from the Midianites, hiding in his low self-esteem, not realizing that he was purpose made for the moment. He was a perfect match for the mission. He was anointed for the assignment. He didn't realize that he had within himself the capacity and the resources and the resourcefulness to liberate Israel from their captives. So he was hiding from the Midianites in his wine press. And when God said to him, you are a mighty man of valor, Gideon said, my father's house is the least in Manasseh, which is the least of the tribes. And I am the least in my father's house. In other words, I'm the lowest of the low. That's called low self-esteem. That's called a low self-estimate. Esteem is estimate, a low self-estimate. That's called a distorted self-image. That's called looking in the mirror and what you see looking back at you is a failure, is, is incompetent, is incomplete, is incapable, is not enough. And you're looking at yourself and labeling yourself and calling yourself by these negative names. And when the light of God's revelation breaks through and says, no, you are not any of these things that they called you. You are not even the things that you called yourself. You are a mighty man of valor. When, when it dawned upon Gideon that I am much bigger and much better than they said I am, that became the beginning of his transition from excuses to exploits. And I'm praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that someone under the hearing of my voice will make the transition from excuses to exploits, that you will cross the bridge, even the bridge of revelation that we're going to share today and move from making excuses about why, why you cannot and why you have not and, and, and why it will not work, that you'll cross that bridge and move to the place where you are operating in your element, where you are operating in your unction, where you are manifesting your destiny, when you are manifesting brilliance and brightness, because that's the you that God made. And we're going to find that you. We're going to dig beneath the layers in this series, and we're going to find the you that God made. And when you, when you see who you really are, you're going to love yourself. You'll certainly forgive yourself. You're going to value yourself. You're going to respect yourself. You're going to encourage yourself. And you're going to, you're going to keep on keeping on just because you know 
who you are. So in order to understand who you are, you must realize that the spiritual essence that God created, that is you, that is the real you, is different to the person that was born, which was the formation. It was an incarnation of your spiritual essence. Your birth was the incarnation of the spiritual being that God made. So that in this respect, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience right now. No, no, no. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience right now. We are spiritual beings having a human experience right now. We'll say it again. We are spiritual beings having a human experience right now because you are fundamentally a spiritual being created by God before the foundation of the world and released into time through the formation in the womb. So if you really want to know who you are, don't confuse where you've come from with what you've come through. Woo. I need to say that again because someone, someone didn't hear it. Don't confuse where you've come from with what you've come through. You know, when you ask someone, you know, oh, that's a lovely accent. Where are you from? They're going to tell you a country, the name of the country. A lot of us think that we are from a particular country. Some of you think you're from England. You think you're, you're from Africa. You think you're from the Caribbean. You think you're from Asia. You think you're from the United States. But actually, when you understand that the real you is a spiritual being, a spiritual essence that God made before the world began, that you understand that America, Britain, Europe, Africa... <laughs> These are, only the, the, these are only your points of entry. They, they are your points of entry. They are what you have come through. And what you, are come, what you have come through must never be allowed to define you or, or to determine your sense of where you've come from. See, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. But he never said, I'm from Bethlehem. Hello? He was born in Bethlehem, but at no point does he say, oh, I'm Jesus from Bethlehem. No. Instead, he says, I came from heaven. I came from heaven. I came through Bethlehem. I came through Mary. I came, I, there was a point of entry. There was port of entry but that port of entry does not define me because before I was a physical being before I was incarnated into physical form I pre-existed that as the word that was in the beginning with God and that was God John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Jesus said I came from heaven and I want to tell you, child of God, you're not from England, you're not from Nigeria, you're not from Ghana, you're not from Jamaica, you're not from India, you're not from Pakistan, you are not from China. If you are born again of the water, the spirit, and the blood of Jesus, listen to me, you came from heaven. You came from celestial glory. You came from the magnificence 
the creative intelligence and genius of God and the you that God made is brilliant, is a genius, is magnificent, is bright. That's who you really are. You're awesome because, because the real you is the you that God made. The you that existed before you were born and the you that will exist after you lay down your body. And your body is laid to rest. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The you that will remain is the you that God made. And so your journey in this world is just a, just a fraction of time. It's a fraction. For a fraction of time, you are incarnate in this body. Don't allow this season to define who you are. Let God be your definition of who you are. He calls you his son. That means that you have his DNA. That means that you are his offspring. That means that you are his image and his likeness. That means that if I see you without the, the baggage that you've picked up on your journey through this world, what I see reminds me of God. What I hear reminds me of God. What I experience reminds me of God because you fundamentally, in essence, are a spiritual being created in the image and likeness of God before the world began, released on purpose in time for such a time as this on an assignment. And as you see it and as you feel it and as you know it, your I can't is going to become an I can. Woo! Yep, it's going to become an I can. Can I go a little deeper with you? And this is this is going to be a really profound series, so uh, it might not have natural endings in the sermon, right? We'll just pick it up in the next piece. But I want to I want to take it a little bit further today, and. I want to tell you something about spiritual intelligence. Woo, hallelujah, spiritual intelligence. You see, when God created you, when God created you before the world began, he created you, a spiritual being in his image and likeness, and he loaded you, he resourced you, and he packed your spiritual essence full of everything and anything you will ever need to know or be or do at any point in time. In other words, he made you perfect. Now, I want to give you an example of this. Um, Ezekiel 28 talks about Lucifer before Lucifer became Satan, the devil. So you know that, that the one we call the devil or Satan uh, was originally an angel, an archangel, Lucifer. And uh, his name literally means a shining one. So he was brilliant. He was bright. We also know that he was musical, that he had musical instruments inside of him. So he didn't have to play musical instruments. His voice was musical. His words were musical. His presence was musical. When you were in his presence, you could hear music. You would experience music because God created him a musical being. And, uh, and this is why, by the way, the devil attacks praise and worship leaders 
He attacks the tribe of Judah because you have replaced. You are now the music in heaven. Because when, when Satan was cast down, it created a vacancy in the, in the praise and worship department. Because the other angels have other functions. There are messenger angels who are led by uh, Gabriel, and there are warrior angels that are led by Michael, but the worshiping angels were led by Lucifer, and he led those angels into rebellion, and so there's a gap in heaven. And when you, child of God, sing praises to God, and you worship God in spirit and in truth, and you sing songs, and you make a joyful noise, and you praise him on the harp, the timbrel, and, and in the dance, and, and you pr praise him with the high-sounding cymbals, and you become then you are now doing what Lucifer was meant to do. And so he targets you. So in the name of Jesus, we cover you. And we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your life and over your family to protect you. But there's a target on you when you decide, I'm going to praise and worship God. Because you, you irritate and aggravate that, that spite and that, that hate that's in the devil. But... Back to, the, back to Ezekiel 28, the Bible teaches that the workmanship of these musical instruments were completed or perfected in Lucifer the day he was created. Woo. The day he was created. In other words, he did not learn how to play instruments. The musical ability and the musical intelligence was perfected in him the day he was created. He didn't have to learn it. He came into being knowing it because these things were perfected in him. Now, uh, unless, unless Lucifer is some exception to the rule, it gives us an, an idea as to how God creates spiritual beings. When God creates a spiritual being, he doesn't create a, a, a raw material. He creates a finished product. I'm going to say it again. When God creates a spiritual being, he does not create a raw material. He creates a finished product. And in the finished product, all of the capacities, resources, and intelligences needed to be, do, have, all that that spiritual being is meant to be, do, and have, they are already in that spiritual being in the day that that being is created. So when God made you, he made you brilliant. He, he made you knowing things with, with spiritual intelligences and capacities and appetites. And, uh, and this is why when you are born into the world, you know, your spiritual intelligence becomes subject to your soulish or what I'm going to call your learned intelligence, okay? Because we, we grow up and we learn things through our mind. Your mind your, is part of your soul. Your mind is part of your soul system. Your mind didn't pre-exist um, your birth. Your mind uh, came into being at your conception, formation, and your birth and your maturation and your development, your mind is learning new things and you are, you're subject to the new things that you're learning, even if those things are true or false. 
even if those things are fact or fiction. So your mind is corrupted. Yeah, I said it. Your mind is corrupted because you've got things in your mind that are true and you got things that are false. You've learned things uh, over the years that are true and some are false. Your mind is a battlefield because it has been corrupted by misinformation, disinformation, lies and false suggestion that you're working your way through as you, as you, you know, in your journey of discovering the truth. But beneath that soulish intelligence is your spiritual intelligence that God perfected in you the day that you were created. So it's like you've got these two minds. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like you have a, you have a higher self and a lower self. There's a part of you that knows better and there's a part of you that doesn't. There's a part of you that's so smart and there's a part of you that's so, so foolish. There's, there's a battle that goes on inside of you as if there are two minds warring. And this is because you have spiritual intelligence, but it is being dominated by your soulish intelligence and there's a battle going on. And in this battle, it's important for you to know that your spiritual man, your spiritual essence knows things that haven't yet entered into your mind. Your spiritual intelligence is older than your experience and doesn't rely on your experience. And so there are things you already know in your spiritual essence that have not yet entered into your mind. Let's just confirm this. Let me, I need to back this up with some scripture before someone accused me of uh, being a, 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 a new ager and, and not sticking to the Bible. Let me get into the Bible. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, What man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of the man that is in him? Wow. He's here saying that your spirit knows everything there is to know about you. Your spirit knows everything that needs to be known about you. But you don't mentally always know everything you need to know. He goes on in the same 1 Corinthians to say, When I pray in an unknown tongue, when I pray in the spirit, he said, My spirit is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. That's the King James. Another translation would say, when I pray in the spirit, my spirit is praying, but my mind is at rest. Woo! Because when you pray in the spirit, you pray in another tongue, guess what's happening? You're bypassing your soulish consciousness. And you are now targeting the things in prayer that should be targeted. Because we don't always know what to pray for as, as we ought to. But the Spirit of God helps our infirmities, according to Romans, and prays through us with groanings that cannot be uttered in a, in a known tongue. We start praying in the Spirit. Sometimes we pray with groanings. Sometimes it's your tears. But this is coming from a place of spiritual intelligence because your spirit already knows things that have not yet entered into your mind. Your spirit knows what you need right now. Your spirit man knows where to find it. Your spirit man knows how to solve the problem you're facing right now. In your spiritual intelligence, there are solutions. There are remedies. There are cures. 
within the spiritual intelligences of human beings, particularly those that are, that are redeemed, regenerated, and reconnected to God through Christ, there, is, there are answers to all of your questions, all residing in your spiritual essence, but they have not yet entered into your mind. Let me give you another, another passage of the Bible. Uh, or another few uh, biblical references to spiritual intelligence. Uh, for example, uh, we're told that Elijah, the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings, he, uh, he, 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 he called for a famine over the kingdom of Ahab and Jezebel. He, he closed the heavens by a prophetic word, by a prophetic prayer. He said, there's going to be no rain. There will be no rain except at my word, till I say so. And this ushered in a sore famine. I mean, it was a horrible famine, but it was a famine over the dark kingdom of Ahab and Jezebel. And in that famine where, the, where the, the, the crops did not yield and the food ran out, the animals couldn't eat, the people couldn't eat, the animals were dying, the people were dying, it was just inflation everywhere, it was crazy. God said to Elijah, go to Zarephath. Because there's a widow woman there and I've commanded her to feed you. I've commanded her to sustain you. Okay. Okay, says Elijah. I'm going. So Elijah makes his way to Zarephath. And when he gets to Zarephath, he sees a, he sees a widow woman. The woman is a widow. She's down to nothing. She's got a little bit of dough and she's baking two cakes. She's baking one for herself and one for her son. When Elijah said, what are you doing? She said, well, we're baking these two cakes, one for myself, one for my son. And when we've eaten, we're going to die because it's, we have nothing. And when Elijah said to her, he said, well, bake me a cake first. What? How selfish. How selfish of the prophet, the man of God, to see these two people in dire straits, down to nothing, about to consume their last, just to keep themselves alive for a little bit longer. And he comes in and says, you make me a cake first. You know what the woman did? The woman made him a little cake first. And when she made him a little cake, she sustained the prophet and the prophet then sustained her. She didn't die. You know, this was a breakthrough. There was abundance that came into her life. That's another sermon. But here is the point. The point is that God said, Elijah, I have commanded her to feed you. But when Elijah met her, she didn't know nothing about it. She didn't know who he was. She'd never heard of him. She had received no instructions to feed him. And yet God promised Elijah that I have commanded her to feed you. Well, where was that commandment? That commandment, child of God was in her spiritual essence. God commanded her spiritual essence even before she appeared in the world to feed the prophet, the man of God. It was an assignment in her spirit. It had not yet entered her mind. But when Elijah said, bake me a cake first, it resonated with her spiritual intelligence. And listen to me, there are some requests that people will make from you that are unreasonable. And yet they resonate with your spiritual intelligence. There are some assignments that are uncomfortable and you don't want to go and you don't want to do it. But it resonates with your spiritual intelligence. Because God had already commanded you at a spiritual level to fulfill that particular mission, that particular destiny, that particular assignment. 
So what am I saying to you today? I am saying to you today, and I want you to hear me and don't miss a word. I am saying to you today, you are not accidentally present on planet Earth at this time. You were chosen for this chapter in human history. Woo, hallelujah. I need to say it again. You were chosen for this chapter in human history. You are a perfect match for the mission of this present time. How do I know it? I know it because God is very deliberate and intentional and strategic about releasing his children into the world. And you were not released into the world in the 15th century, in the, in the first century, in the BC. You were not born in, in a remote part of the world at a, at a different time in human history. You came here at this time. You were chosen to be a part of the solution to coronavirus and its pandemic. You were chosen for this chapter to be a part of the recovery of the economies of the world. You were chosen to be a part of the people that would bring about political revolution, evolution, transformation so that we could experience justice and peace and fairness and equity in governments across the world. You were chosen for this chapter in human history. Your presence on this planet is not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It is not an incident. It is a deliberate, intentional, strategic, meaningful, purposeful manifestation of God's infinite intelligence and wisdom selecting you like an arrow from the bow, aiming from eternity at a point in time before he released you with power and there could be nothing, nothing more tragic than for you to live and die, never discovering who you are or why you're here. Nothing is more of a sin than to fail to realize the purpose of your presence on this planet at this time. Because the word sin ultimately comes from a Greek word which means to miss the mark. See, God was aiming at something very specific when he released you into the world. And to miss the mark, that is ultimately the sin. Nothing could be more tragic. Listen to me, child of God. Nothing could be more tragic than for you to be bored in the lockdown. Hey. Glory to God, hallelujah, I want to scream. Nothing could be more tragic than for you to be bored in the lockdown. Because if you are bored, it means you ain't doing nothing. If you ain't doing nothing, it means you ain't got nothing to do. It means that your life has become a mon monotonous routine of go to work, come home, watch telly, spend time with the family, go to bed, do the same thing over again. Just over and over, round and round. No purpose, no conviction, no passion, no goal, no dreams, no assignment, no mission. That's tragic because you are the most phenomenal, phenomenal, intelligent, brilliant, resourceful and sophisticated creature that God made before this world began and he chose you to be a part of this chapter in human history and you have got to figure it out. It's no point saying, okay, I hear you, Bishop. I need to find out what I'm here to do. 
that second, you need to find out who you are. And you need to believe that you are not an accident in this world. You are God's offspring. You are God's son. You are, you have the DNA of God. You are the incarnation of a divine essence in this world. And yes, because of your learned intelligence, your ego, which fights with your essence, your life experiences, your life circumstances, your situation, sometimes it's so hard to see that really you are a special agent on assignment from heaven to earth. It's hard to see it. We lose sight of it sometimes. And we get into the rat race of just fighting and fighting to exist. But in the name of Jesus today, I break the spell. I break the spell in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you wake up to the reality that you are no accident. You are no ordinary person. You are. You are the one that God chose for this chapter in human history. He equipped you. He anointed you. He set you apart. And he ordained you to be the difference you want to see. To make the difference. Not to make complaints. But to make change. And to this end I pray for you. As you pray for me. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit, or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.